1: Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell.
2: Contact cordellcordell.com. Cordell.com.
1: 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the off-the-glass, nothing but net, and up and under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host and contributor to The Bird Rights, Preston Ellis. And we are officially less than 24 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. And by the time we finish this podcast, all this information we give to you guys might be null and void anyway. Uh, but to help me break down the latest happenings in Pelican land, there's, there's really so much going on. It's hard to believe that they're still playing games. Uh, first up, I've got editor-in-chief to the TheBirdRights.com, Ali Cosell. What's up, dude?
2: Oh man, a whole lot. (laughs) And we're going to get to it, but wow. I mean, I know none of you guys can get away from Twitter even just for a second, but this has been by far the... Hi,
0: this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements
1: of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact Cordell, Cordell Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
2: most explosive um, scene involving New Orleans that I can ever recall.
1: I know, it's pretty. uh, Losing has never been so exciting. Uh, And contributor and associate editor to thebirdrights.com, Mr. Kevin Berrios. What's up, dude?
0: Chilling, man. I'm just trying to help uh, these people in Brooklyn not make a mistake by <laughs> choosing Randall over New Yorker. That's what I'm doing right now. That's, that's you- my side. That's my side team. So I gotta make sure they don't make any mistake. You know, you're you're
1: caught in a tough spot right now because you don't want Randall on the team, but you don't also want the burden of him being on any other team in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Glutton for punishment, I see, and contributor to both the bird rights as well as Crescent City sports, Mr. David Grubb. Uh, how you feeling, man? You've been really busy on all the radio stations all across New Orleans this week.
3: Yes, I have. It's it's a it's fun, but it's also extremely exhausting. And, and like Ollie said, this is something that we haven't seen before, as far as just national and local interest. So it's it's a great time to be a part of it, but it's also you know a tough thing to be a part of.
1: Yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, news is swirling. Let's get right to it. Um, there's so much that's just been disclosed in the past hour from Chris Sheridan, Sam Amick, Fletcher Mackle, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski just had a recent tweet. Let's start with this one, and I'll go to Ali. Chris Sheridan just dropped this nugget. He said the New York Knicks were the number one choice of Anthony Davis last week on the day that Chris Dapps was traded to Dallas. But poor Zynga's unwillingness to commit to a long-term deal with New Orleans killed that deal. So, Ali, imagine, if you will, a world in which Anthony Davis is in New York City right now and the Pelicans have Chris Tapp's Porzingis, and likely next year's uh, unprotected 2000, maybe top one protected 2019 first round pick. What does that world look like to you? Uh,
2: do I really have to? <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I feel like I can't, I don't know if we should um, honestly give much, Uh, thought to this report is this an after the fact something that came from rich paul that basically Uh, now they put out there because i'm sorry go ahead
1: oh no i was just going to say there were reports last week that the pelicans were their first call and that they did offer christ but the pelicans were told by christ party that he would only sign the qualifying offer in new orleans and that's why
2: they reneged on the deal right but this is the first news that we're hearing that this was ad's first choice and lo and behold just i mean what was it Less than 48 hours ago, we hear that New York Knicks were on the trade list of AD. So I just feel like this might be more after the fact news. It's not really relevant to anything. But in any case, let's, let's have some fun. We'll entertain your idea. And yeah, I think I would have loved, honestly, going through a New York, getting this all over with, first of all. You want will be able to move on from Anthony Davis. And Lord knows we wouldn't have to talk about him and what to do with him, possibly in these last 29 games. What do the Pelicans do? Do they play him? Do they try and sit him? Will they have to fight the youth? players union on that. So that could have all been solved and we would have gotten a deal that we would have liked. I mean, there's very few of us that I've talked to or I trust that like anything that the Lakers have been offering, even if it's a ton. Uh, But I know that there's been quite a few of us have been in support of saying getting Porzingis and uh, of course that 2019 first round pick and a few other good assets. So yeah, Preston, I think I would have definitely said yes to something like that had been on the table, but obviously it's Nolan Boyle. Porzingis did not want to resign with New At least that's the story. So we just got to move on.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure what exactly he is interested in because he still says uh, to the Dallas Mavericks that he's not going to sign long-term with them either. He's just going to sign a qualifying offer. So it seems like there's a lot of NBA athletes right now out there that are just difficult to please in general. And with that, uh, i move sorry. Go I'm ahead. sorry. Yeah. I wouldn't buy that. That Porzingis is going to sign the qualifying offer because
3: you know everything says that Porzingis has more issues with his lower extremities than just the knee and i think that he's go- not going to take the risk of losing out on that money so i would think he re- he signs with Dallas i think that, that was just an early you know test
1: Yeah, well, the Pelicans might have dodged a bullet if, like you said, it takes him a bit longer to come back than what we're all being told. Uh, Kevin, I'll move over to you. This is from Sam Amick. He says, in his Anthony Davis column, he's told Jason Tatum has definitely been discussed in Pelicans Celtics talks. Both sides know that he'd be a major part of the discussion in June. So, I mean, this is pretty much a slam dunk at this point. It's that Anthony Davis is just going to ride the bench for the next three months, and eventually this deal is going to get done. Kevin... Is is this going to be a bit uncomfortable sitting Anthony Davis? Do you think there there was a report today, uh, I want to say from Pelicans PR, that Anthony Davis is available to play as soon as tonight against Chicago. What are the Pelicans going to do for the next three months while they wait for this trade to transpire?
0: I mean, who cares if it's uncomfortable? It's what it is, and he's the one that created the situation. You know, I mean, like, he, now he has to deal with the ramifications of the decision that he made. Um, and look, I don't have any problems with him wanting a trade out of here, but what like what does he expect to happen you know the team now has to operate in uh in a way that's beneficial to them and having them accidentally win games that they could be losing to get a better draft pick is it doesn't benefit them at all plus risking injury to a guy who they're trying to trade away is also not beneficial to them so i don't know what he expected i mean i think he wanted to have like a kobe farewell tour but it's not the same. He's not retiring. He's being, he's asking to move on, you know, and he's done it in a way that is, you know, you know, obviously there's been a, there's been tampering and collusion and all these other games that are being played around. It's not just a straight up, you know, get me out of here. We'll work together and make this happen kind of thing. There's been, and I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think he's being used by his representation and I just think he's not mature enough or man enough to state what he really wants and be and have handled this situation in the way that was actually best for him it would have made him more of a hero going out than now becoming more of a villain in the, in the city where where you, if you look at Twitter everybody on Twitter is excited that this is happening now and more engaged in this team than ever that they have a way to rebuild the team I mean look it's great to have a superstar and he's an incredible player but it was so frustrating to underachieve when you have a you know a top 5 player in the world on your team and you're not you're only making the playoffs twice you know it it's frustrating but now there's like this new hope and it may never be as good as what we had but also that expectation of being that good won't be there because we don't have this caliber of a player on this team and some of that is his fault some of and a lot of that is the organization's fault Um, But, you know, I mean, he can't expect anything else.
1: Yeah, fair. I'm going to pose the same question to Grub because I know your stance on it. Uh, Things are going to get uncomfortable, as Kevin said, and largely this is all due in part to Rich Paul and Anthony Davis. My first question to you, Grub, is how much blame does Rich Paul get through all of this? And the second part is, do you think that Anthony Davis plays with the Pelicans and in many ways torpedoes their draft stock?
3: Yeah, I, I think they have to come to some sort of agreement
1: um, on Anthony's status,
3: and I, largely, I think that the desire for him to play um, was, like Kevin said, it, it was his attempt to endear himself. But at the same time, it was another effort to force the Pelicans' hand um, to kind of be like, well, I'm healthy and you won't play me. And, and I think they can get by up until you know the, the break is passed. Obviously, I mean, uh, the deadline is passed. Um, But beyond that, yeah, they they have to come to some sort of agreement. And I think it becomes best for everybody once they get past the deadline. Rich Paul has to realize that he doesn't want his asset potentially getting hurt. The Lakers, if they still have any chance of making a deal, don't want Davis to get hurt. And of course, the Pelicans don't want him to get hurt um, and playing in meaningless games and or, as you said, ruining their um, draft position. So I think everybody comes to an agreement. They reach a Carmelo type uh, or Stephon marbury type deal where you go home um we'll pay you but just leave the building
1: yeah all right ali uh our latest report from uh fletcher mackle called it 50 50 right now the new orleans pelicans still haven't responded this is woge's uh a tweet from a little bit earlier. He says the Pelicans still haven't responded on the Los Angeles Lakers' most recent trade proposal for Anthony Davis. Fletcher Mackle tweeted out earlier that there are some within the Pelicans organization who do just want to take this deal with Los Angeles and they don't want to fight uncertainty. And he called it 50 50 within the Pelicans locker room. What What do you think? Do you think there's any way, shape, or form that Del Demps picks up the phone between now and tomorrow and just gets something done?
2: With the Lakers, no. There could be a surprise team. That comes forward and maybe that gets done because I mean what we just saw happen with the uh, Philadelphia seventy six was loading up by trading for uh, Tobias Harris from the Clippers. You got to think that that's going to kind of throw a wrench at Toronto's plans and trying to keep Kawhi by showing him, hey, we got to the NBA Finals. I don't think they can make it now, so maybe they want to chase AD. Obviously, Boston can't, um, and I'm not sure what anybody else can do. I mean, we know Kevin's grand plans of AD ending up uh, in Brooklyn, but there's a chance. I mean, that's what I've been hearing, honestly, and all the people that I kind of trust behind the scenes. I've been told that there are indeed some people within the Pals organization that think the LA package is a good one and you're not going to get better in the summer, uh, despite whatever we think or what's being said out there in national media. But, but I was also told that there's a bigger chance of a deal happening maybe with another team. So the Lakers are definitely not, you know, at the top of any list right now. And of course, that's what, Every report seems to confirm Dell doesn't even want to talk to the guys. So, no, person, honestly, I don't think a deal's going to get done, and especially not with the Lakers. But hey, I know that there's still a chance. I mean, like I said, a desperate team may all of a sudden decide to, and this is how it usually works before the trade deadline. You've been talking to teams for weeks, sometimes even months, right? But then it just comes down to a split second decision, a gut feeling. And you suddenly decide to push a trigger that you had not been meaning to do for like, like I said, the last couple weeks or maybe a few months. So I don't want to say never, you know, I don't want to say with 100% certainty, but you got to think AD is going to stay in New Orleans past this deadline.
1: Well, sir, things certainly are going to be uncomfortable until July 1st or until draft night when he might be dealt then. Uh, We were kind of hoping that Phoenix could get involved for Alonzo Ball and perhaps package together something like uh, Bridges or Josh Jackson, maybe a future first. But now that the Suns are close to acquiring Tyler Johnson, that seems off the table. So it seems unlikely that the Pelicans and Lakers would deal at this point. Uh, Interesting to hear about a potential dark horse. Dark horse suitor, as you all may know, the more you hear about this, the less likely it's going to happen. If if Woj comes in last second with something, that would certainly uh, be surprising at this point. Now we've got three different reports on Julius Randall. Mark Stein said two hours ago, Julius Randle, uh, the Pelicans continue to explore trades for Julius Randle. Then an hour ago, Will Gullery tweeted, while the Pelicans have explored deals for Julius Randle, it's unlikely he'll be moved before tomorrow's trade deadline. Then just a few minutes ago, Sean Kelly said that Anthony Davis will not play through the trade deadline. Julius Randle is available for tonight's game in Chicago. Kevin, first of all, does Julius Randle play tonight? And what do you think his future is
0: in New Orleans? I mean, I don't know if he plays tonight. I'm not going to speculate on that. I have no I mean, I don't see really why they would because you're still hoping to trade him, I would think. Um so why risk him tonight? But um yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a future here. I mean, his he he's going to opt out of that contract for sure because he he'll be able to get more on the open market next season and then without AD, he doesn't probably doesn't really want to play here anyway. Um, And that's probably in the Pelicans' best interest. Um, He's been a huge disappointment. I mean, like, I thought when we were getting him, we were getting some sort of hybrid of, like, uh, I don't know, like Kyle Anderson and uh, I'm trying to think of who else would he be mixed with? Because I thought he was going to be the— Boogie Cousins. Like, they had some of those boogie tendencies. Yeah, well— Well, I thought he was going to be like a versatile defender like Kyle Anderson and a really good passer and playmaker like he is. And I just thought he would have a more, you know, he was more willing and a better scorer than Anderson is. But he is he's a better and more willing scorer for sure. But he hasn't lived up to those other things. He's a ball stopper. He gets you out of the offense um and then he's you know he's not a good perimeter shooter and he, he he is a good passer but he just doesn't pass like he should i mean he, we've seen him take on uh you know triple teams in the post when you got wide open shooters and sometimes even like not just low level bench guys you're talking about Anthony Davis or Mirotic or Drew Holiday that he could kick out to and he doesn't um so and he doesn't play any defense you know he's not defending the rim he's not switching on anybody He's letting people blow right past him. And that's the most frustrating thing. So there's no reason why the Pelicans should want him back. Um, and I don't think that he would want to come back either. Um, you know, I I thought he was going to be a great signing, and he just hasn't been uh, that. So I was definitely wrong on, on Randall. Um, I mean, he's still valuable. I guess, like, you can give him to a team that's a good team but is weak on the bench and that they can just kick it into him for, like, short stretches and let him – run let the offense run through him and that would work for them you know I was thinking somebody like Philly with a depleted bench but now they made the mood for Tobias Harris takes them out of that I mean possibly Denver could still be interested because they got some injuries up front uh, I hear guys in Brooklyn talking about him being a target but I was just trying to tell them like don't target him target Nico because I watch a lot of Brooklyn games and Nico would fit perfectly there whereas Randall I think just messes up everything they're trying to do
1: yeah, I think at this point we can definitively say Miritich would work better pretty much anywhere. At this point, he's just a better two-way player and he spaces the floor, which really helps, unless you've got, you know, Brooke Lopez out there who kind of does that for you. Um, let's let's get back on track, Rub. Uh, we're talking about Julius Randle. Um, mm-hmm. obviously it seems like the Pelicans aren't able to get a lot back from him at back for him at this point. So should tomorrow come and go without Julius Randle being dealt. The Pelicans obviously want to develop Jaleel Okafor, see what his future is, check Diallo, see what his future is at the end of his third year. What do you do with Julius Randle? I think, you number one, you put him back on the bench. Um, You make him a reserve,
3: and you limit his minutes like he had been throughout the season. If he's going to play, you're basically, you know, he's got to play because of the the NBA Players Association um, guidelines on tanking. Uh, if he's healthy, he has to play unless they reach an agreement with him. And I, I don't think they'll you know, buy him out or anything like that because as it was brought to our attention, um, you buy him out, you got to pay for that second year as well. So he's just going to be around. And you, you end up – you play him for some minutes. Um, you, you Hopefully they're non-critical minutes. You don't have him as a closer unless you just really want people out there who can't defend because that's his biggest detriment to this team is that his inability to defend. So, I mean, in some ways he actually may help. Because he gives up as many points as he scores, um, so I think you know he'll have to play. And it's also you like you know has been has been brought up as well. You're showcasing him. You're doing him a solid. Like, look, dude, I know you want to look for the next market you're going to go in. We're going to give you some opportunities to play um, and show that you're healthy. Show that you can still do some things. And hopefully, you sign somewhere that you're happy with next season. And that may engender some some favor with with him and with other players around the league who see that they're not. Being punitive to everybody um, in this circumstance.
1: Yeah, Ali, it's. Grubb mentioned uh, tampering and the NBA players union, not tampering, sorry, tanking, mm-hmm. excuse me. And it, it is going to be interesting if the Pelicans still have both Julius Randle and Anthony Davis on Friday night in Minnesota. Obviously, the players union is going to be clamoring for the Pelicans to let these guys play. However, just two years ago, Eric Bledsoe was sat for the last six weeks of the regular season. I think he missed somewhere around 14 or 15 games. No penalties. No one batted an eye at the time. It was the first time the conversation really took place that what do we do about these veterans who are not seeing floor time when they're healthy? How do you think the the Pelicans manage this going forward? Do you think they they bend at the whim of Adam Silver and the Players' Union?
2: I think they would have to. I mean, the Players' Union is going to come and file a grievance, right? It's going to become ugly. It's going to become very public. And I don't think anybody wants that. But then again, you also bring up a good point. So it's not like AD is going to be losing out money. Usually that's when the Players' Union strikes the hardest. I know when I can remember players being suspended by their clubs. Like I remember Matt Barnes once and there's been others. And so the union has reacted to uh, those situations a lot quicker and harder. I remember, for instance, the Blazers. They once uh, were on the hook for supposedly sitting Darius miles and had he just played a few more games, I think they would have been on a hook for like a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, but this is not those cases. You know, this isn't a player is going to be losing out on money. It's This is all going to be about the fans losing out, right? Businesses. Uh, that have spent money on commercials, like with local TV, expecting, you know, AD is going to play throughout the season if he's healthy. And so therefore more people are going to tune in, more people are going to see their commercials. Likewise with fans who have already spent money on season tickets. I think even Bobby Marks weighed in on this. So it's going to be very interesting. And I do think the Pelicans are going to have to play AD. I think there's going to be, have to be some kind of plan put in. Uh, The question then becomes how many minutes you know, I mean, but it's, it's just a, it's a crappy mess because there's no, I don't see a winning solution out of all this because you're right. David mentioned this earlier. You want the team to lose as many games as possible. AD is not a part of the future. There's no chance of that happening. So they've got to do what's best for them. He's moved on. They've got to now move on the same way, but yet they're not allowed to, you know, and by that they want to lose as many games as possible. Have a look at their young guys, et cetera. So there's a big conflict of interest and it's going to be crazy to see how this all plays out.
1: Yeah, and it'll be really difficult for the Pelicans, as Rachel Nichols mentioned on the jump yesterday. What if... Uh, God forbid, Anthony Davis sustains some kind of stress fracture or something that diminishes his value and makes it harder to move him. Obviously, the Pelicans are expecting a King's ransom. And without one, it's really hard to to move forward. They could find themselves in a position not quite as bad as the Brooklyn Nets went through. But it would be difficult for them to rebuild without those assets they're expecting to get back. Let's get back to Nikola Meritich, Kevin. Uh, Obviously, if Julius Randle sticks around, it's more than likely that they have probably found a landing spot for Nikola Meritich. But with that being said, uh William Smith has a good point. We all love Nikola Meritich. It seems as if he loves New Orleans. He says, "I know everyone is shouting to trade everything, but I believe that Nico is going to be re-signed cuz everyone loves his attitude toward the city and his play on the court. What could his contract look like, Kevin?"
0: Uh, I don't know what his contract would look like. I would say somewhere between 15 and 18 million a year for maybe 3 years. Um, something like that. Uh, but I don't Also, I disagree with what you just said, that it means that they have trade already worked out for him because I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think they they like him a lot. And I think one thing is is when you're evaluating these packages and you have certain packages, when you already have Drew under contract, makes you a, a team that could compete for a playoff spot right away other packages are more of a teardown. So while they're trying to balance out what package they want, if you're gonna choose a trade package that has say like I think Jason Tatum coming in with Drew, you you have Ja, you could put uh, Miritich at the four. I think that's a team that could compete for the playoffs right away. Now if you get if you do my fantasy Brooklyn draft um draft uh trade where you get D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen, and then you have you can keep Miritich on the wing uh, on at the four as well. I think those are moves that win. Now, I think when you look at a Lakers package where you have Lonzo wanting out instantly, you're gonna have to trade him right away or find a third person for him. Ingram also has said that he doesn't want to play here, or at least there's been talks of that. You might have to move him, or he hasn't really developed in a way that you can count on him to be a key contributor and Kuzma scores but he doesn't defend so I don't necessarily think that you have a package that is ready to compete I mean what we saw what they did with LeBron James now of course I'm I'm not saying that that package reflects that game reflects how bad this package is I think you know obviously there's as we've seen the beginning of this season with the cloud of is AD leaving hanging over where the whole team is basically are we leaving you know you can't expect them to play Uh, up to their abilities with all this going on and being orchestrated from inside your locker room by your star player who's also trying to get the coach fired you know it's just a mess so you can't really evaluate these players on recent performances um and then of course the Knicks package is a total rebuild because you're getting nothing but young players and draft picks um so I think it's That sort of thing, they'll move on from Miritich if the offer's right, but if it's not, then they're probably happy to hang on to him because, like I said, you have Drew, and you're going to have other pieces that are probably ready to compete, so I I think they just really like Nico, and it's going to take a lot to get off of him.
1: All right, Grub. this is such a mess. Jonathan Vogel asks, I've heard about returns for more Randall, and Nico. Is there any talk of moving Alfred, and do you think there is any reason to do so? And I'm going to follow it with this, Grub. If the Pelicans can't unload Nikola Meretic, Julius Randall, Anthony Davis, or Etuan Moore, they're going to have five of their six best players back after the All-Star break, and they might even conceivably start winning some games. You see how they're doing with the Drew crew and Jaleel Okafor right now. The Pelicans have to start unloading some of these guys. Do you think Alfred Payton could be one of those names? I don't think that there'd be much of a market for Alfred. I mean, he's, you know he hasn't
3: shown this year that he's added a whole bunch to his game, and he's been injured. So, I mean, that doesn't make him very appealing. And he's been pulled in the fourth quarter of a lot of games because of his defense. Um, I think that that just makes him an, and, and again, he's he's a guy on an expiring contract. Um, a team would have to really need some point guard depth to offer anything. And what are they going to offer besides maybe, maybe a second round pick for a guy and, and you'd have to have an extra one to give away. Um, you wouldn't give your only second round pick for a guy who's probably not going to be with you at the end of the season. So, I just think the Pelicans hold on to Alfred. And if they want to re sign him, he'll be there. It's not like there'll be um, a huge market to rush at him. If they want him, they can have him because I think he he wants to be near home.
1: Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, And he's definitely
2: one thing thing I wanted to add quickly about Alfred is I think the Pelicans obviously not having a point guard um, of, of the future right now. And the fact that this guy is still young, they really haven't had a good chance to look at him all year. And he's from the Orange. I think you want to use the remaining games just to give him get a good look at him, you know, see what he can do when he doesn't have to rely on stars, put him in all sorts of situations and stuff. So I think that's their best bet moving forward is you just give this guy a complete evaluation because you haven't been able to do one uh, since he's been here.
1: Definitely. And speaking of evaluations, Alfred Payton's a good one. The Pelicans could get a look at. Obviously they're getting an extended look right now at Jaleel Okafor and check Diallo, in addition to Frank Jackson. But, Ali, a pleasant surprise and somebody we've been critical of because we wanted to keep Troy Williams around. Kenrich Williams has been a great rebounder. He's a physical guy, dives for the loose balls, uh, even fills it up from deep. Uh, I can't remember specifically what it was the other night. I think it was against the Spurs where he went five of seven from three-point range for 21 points. He's really come to life, and bringing Julius Randle, Nikola Meretic, and Anthony Davis back to the four probably relegates him back to the bench, splitting minutes with Darius Miller at the three, How impressed have you been by Kenrich Williams, and how important is it that he keeps getting 25 to 30 minutes a game?
2: I don't know of anybody that's not shocked by his performances. Because let's face it, and I even asked Alvin this privately, he's been trying to always give Kenrich minutes. And we saw when the Pelicans were still trying to win much earlier in the year. I remember in December, all of a sudden this guy would come out a few minutes before halftime. I remember David and Grubb and I looking at each other all the time and being like, why is Kenrich in the game? You know, it's not like the Pelicans had great options, but Kendrick had never shown anything. So they kept on throwing him out every now and then and then never showed anything. And all of a sudden, he sees big minutes and he becomes a player. So, yeah, shocked. You, use any kind of word like that to describe him and his play because, I mean, how can you not? You always knew this guy was a good rebounder. So those 16 rebounds against the Rockets when you had most of the Pels' big rebounders um, missing the game isn't the biggest shock. But the fact that he been comes or follows that up with 21 points against a good Denver team. And as you mentioned, Preston, like five threes. And he's just been kind of that super hustle, always on the move, kind of the perfect guy that you would think Gentry and uh, Chris Finch have always wanted, you know, as, as kind of a big physical wing. And he's providing all that. So he's been amazing. He he's turning quickly the, just almost as equally as big of a story as Julio Okafor, I feel like, because suddenly the Pels may have a viable small forward, Uh, Whether, you know, he can ever become a starter in this league remains to be seen, and I have my doubts, but again, this guy's a lot better than what we ever imagined he could be, so great, great story.
0: Yeah, Uh, and the Pelicans. Sorry, go I ahead, Kev. I mean, we should give credit to, to Shamit uh, Kumar, Fear the Brown, whatever you want to call him. I mean, he was been on Kenrick Williams since I remember sitting next to him at Media Day, and he was like, this guy's really good. I really like his playmaking and rebounding, and he's showing those skills. So, I mean, credit to him for knowing that ahead of time, I would say.
3: What's yeah. funny is,
0: like, he's, he's essentially what
3: they thought they were going to get out of Solomon Hill. You know, he's rebounding right. the ball. He's making threes when he gets the opportunity when they're open and he's been able to make hustle plays and you know, he's in his defense. It has a ways to go still, but you see the effort. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, you've, you've, you've all the money you spent on Solomon Hill. This is the guy who's doing that for you.
1: Yeah. And he was really tough against Thaddeus young in the post. Uh, He was spotted up against him. Uh, against the Pacers, playing the fa- uh, power forward position with Darius Miller manning the small forward position, and he did quite well. And that's another thing uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue on with this, Kevin. Just bringing all these guys back: Nicola Meritage, Julius Randle, and Anthony Davis is gonna take away minutes from these guys who have been very productive. Even Ian Clark in three of his past four games has gone for 15 points or more. These guys just need reps, they need shots, they need chances to fail. And bringing those guys back makes that difficult. And with that being said, let's go on to Jaleel Okafor, who in his 8 starts Kevin is averaging 19 points a game over 10 rebounds per game on 67% shooting from the field obviously it's really important to continue playing him getting some of those starters minutes so maybe you can get a look at whether he'd be a viable starter going forward into the 2019-20 season regardless of these coming these guys coming back do you think the pelicans have to keep starting Okafor
0: Oh yeah i mean there's nobody i mean even if you start Randall i would still start him at the power forward and have okafor start at center i mean you want to get a good look at him also he provides i mean we all we all knew his one thing that we could count on is him being able to score in the post and he's really showing that he's still got all those moves and all those skills and he could finish with either hand with his back to the basket facing up from all different spots uh around the room um you know you want to see him grow as a defender he's getting there he's better than i expected um he's a solid rebounder he boxes out pretty well Uh, you want to see him improve in screen setting and defending and if he can do that. And I think, you know, obviously without a major overhaul in the front office and for some reason, somebody that just doesn't really like him for some reason, you would expect him to come back because of his contract is so low the next year. And in that situation, you know, maybe in that summer he, he would work out with drew holiday and Frank Jackson again, and really get in shape and really focus on the defensive end and hopefully improve his game because I think he's matured to a point. You know, like I said, like all these people that want to trade Drew Holiday, I mean, look what happened in Philly when they were doing the process. They didn't have a veteran to take these guys in and get them, train them to how to be professionals and how to approach the professional game and to, and to jumpstart their careers. So that's why I'm in no rush to get rid of Drew Holiday. He's the perfect guy to set the tone for these guys. We saw what he did with Frank Jackson. We see his total dedication to, to the defensive end. And if you can get a team that has a bunch of young guys that are into playing defense, you're like ahead of the curve in the NBA because that's something that people aren't doing. Like people don't play defense like they used to. And if you have the tone set from the start with a great player, a borderline all-star player, first team all-defensive player who wants to take in young guys and train them up and get them motivated and get them focused in the right direction, I mean, there's no better person than Drew Holiday, and I think it's going to help tremendously in this rebuild to start over from scratch with him being the face um, and just set the tone of your franchise that way. And I think Ja will really benefit from a summer with him and this playing time that he's set to get right now.
1: All right, Grub, let's continue with that because your first article for the Bird Writes, uh, great article on Drew Jitsu, uh, was in regards to Drew Holiday and his new style of play, his new flair, uh, both defensively and offensively, enjoying his best seasons. I think you can, you can argue in both regards. And not not how surprising how exciting is it to you that everybody is saying they don't want to play in new orleans anthony davis jason tatum brandon ingram lonzo ball and here we have drew holiday locked up for another four years of his career after this one in new orleans and he actually wants to stay here and he's actually going out there and playing hard every night with this group of misfits that we didn't know could play basketball and now all of a sudden they're playing really well they've They've lost three of their last four games by just four points per game. They're in each of these games. They fight to the end. If Drew Holiday sticks around and the Pelicans can build a, a pretty good team around him, does he immediately become the fan favorite in team history? I think, you know, is already, you know, beloved by the fans. And, um, you know, these
3: last two years have just escalated that uh, love because they, I think people are – the people outside of New Orleans are finally starting to see what people in New Orleans – always saw in drew. Um, and I think he's, he is in position to be a franchise player in that regard. Um, not, not, not the type of player who yeah, by himself can lift a franchise to a championship, but a franchise player in the sense that he's the guy who can be the face of your franchise. And you're proud of that, that you're, um, you know, you're happy to have him go out and represent you. Now, drew of course, is not the most outgoing person when it comes to dealing with the media or with the public, he tends to do his things quietly but as we've seen um he the team especially the young players seem to have a great affinity for drew um he does things quote unquote the right way in the sense of being a professional uh and 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 just being a kind of guy who's consistent and that's extremely important in building a culture uh and, and and i think ultimately yeah he could end up being uh one of the most beloved f- players in franchise history Um, there aren't too many stars that have played for this franchise that people don't have something negative to say about primarily because of the way they left, but you got a chance with, with drew a guy who wants to be here. Yeah. To, if you put the right pieces around him in this trade, this team could be in position to contend and, and have drew here for the remainder of his contract. And I think that's what people want. And I think that would be the best thing for the Pelicans.
0: What were you saying, Kevin? said, you don't think Omri Caspi would be the favorite of the fan base. But, but I, I agree with everything you said, David. And I would just say, like, I don't think Drew needs to be the face of the franchise. He could be the backbone of the franchise. And then they have another guy that's the face. You know, he's the guy that really sets the tone and, and does all the dirty work behind the scenes. And then there's another guy who basks in the glory. And I think Drew would be fine with that. He would benefit
2: from that.
1: Yeah, an excellent point. Uh, Drew Holiday you know, said earlier this season that he wanted to be off ball. He wanted to be able to re- relax offensively, play off ball, move off ball, all while locking down opposing teams' best perimeter scores. How many guys are there like that across the league who said, no, get me away from the ball. I want to do the dirty work. So excellent points all around. Ali, we're going to move on. Um, this is from Primetime Podcast. They said... Obviously, the Pelicans are in a, in a difficult position right now with all these players managing what to do, what to buy, what to sell, what to take into free agency. Primetime Podcast asks, where could the Pels look to improve their future be before the trade deadline in a buyer-heavy market? Also, what moves would you make to ensure the Pels are a consistent winner for years to come? So, Ali, how would you build around Drew Holiday?
2: Oh, my God. I'm supposed to answer this in like two minutes. <laughs> I mean, any which way, number of ways to go. But I don't think there, you don't rush. And the biggest thing is you don't really want this general manager, this front office making any kind of those decisions because we don't even know if they're going to be there in place. We, we, I mean, we assume that, you know, the Pelicans are going to clean house, that a president of basketball operations is going to be hired, and he's going to decide – on Dell Demp's future, on Alvin Gentry's future. And, of course, we all assume that he's going to replace everybody, but we don't know. But I think since we there is not that knowing, you don't want to crowd the roster with any players, especially on any contracts past this year. So I think the, the logical way to improve the team is simply through future assets. That's why I think, Preston, out of anybody, you've been so high on seeing the Pelicans get something for Nico, for Julius, for each one. I think that's the only viable path you can take in trying to improve this team now. So really, it's just future assets. So take the best deal out there for Nico. Take whatever you can get is what you were saying about Randall. But I don't think that's even on the table right now. I think that's why we saw these comments by Will about how all of a sudden Randall is kind of beloved by the coaching staff. There's a good relationship, um, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is, there's almost no chance he's coming back because he's got a player option. The Pelicans are going to be moving in a different direction. And and as we notice, he doesn't really fit with what's around him on this team. So, see, I'm already winded, and I haven't even started (laughs) to talk about this topic. But anyways, just just future assets. I mean, that's all you want to see the Pelicans go in direction right now because we don't know who's going to be making those decisions come in three, four months' time on shaping this team.
1: All right, I'm I'm gonna try not to reword this question too much, but an interesting thing that we've been talking about: keeping Nikola Meritich versus dealing him for a first-round pick. And here's where I think keeping Nikola Meretic makes sense. If the Pelicans deal with the Boston Celtics, uh, many different versions of the trade have both Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart coming back. I think you can consider those win-now moves, Kevin. And in that instance, you might want to keep Miritich around rather than add yourself a a 2020 first-round pick, let's say. This is from Tejeda. He says, for making a decision between Boston's offer versus New York, what are the factors that lean you towards a certain side?
0: Well, I think it's just that. I think what you said is, 100% 100% correct. I think Boston is more of a win now move even though you're still going to get some some draft picks that are going to help because you're not just getting Boston's draft picks, you're getting like Memphis's draft picks and maybe Sacramento's draft picks which will be better than Boston's. Um but New York, you're getting nothing but young players and draft picks, so that is like starting over. Um and but the thing about the Boston deal is those players that you're getting are young enough and the the draft picks that you get are, are going to be still pretty good. So I think it just depends on what you really want to do. And I think you can have a little bit of the best of both worlds with the uh, Boston uh, trade package. Whereas New York is basically clearly a starting over point um, because, you know, all those guys coming over are very young and none of them have really stood out as like franchise cornerstone players. And then, you know, then you're drafting rookies that even if they look great in college, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to translate, you know, even, you know, while I expect Zion to be a very good NBA player uh, you don't know that it's really going to happen, you know, it's still a gamble. So um, whereas with Boston, you're getting a guy like Marcus Smart, who, you know, is a very good defender, um, pretty good playmaker, a a good post up scorer in, in the post. And then Jason Tatum, you know, he, he's, he's sort of more of like a, if, Kobe was playing a three, you know, a good score, but also a willing passer and decent defender. Um, and he's, you know, carried a team to the Eastern Conference finals already in, in, in his rookie year um, when they were without, you know, some of their best players. So that those are like when now it built at the same time. Um, so yeah, it just depends on what the front office wants to do. I mean, for me, I think in this market, unless you know for sure you're getting like the superstar like Zion that you can sell to the fans. I think the Boston package makes more sense because you're doing both things. You're rebuilding and you're getting youth, but you're also ready to compete right away. And you're not diminishing what you're getting in draft return that much because you still have Memphis, this pick and still Sacramento's pick. So personally, I would choose Boston over New York unless you knew you were getting the first pick in the draft. Um, But, you know, I would choose Brooklyn, honestly. I mean, I think, (laughs) That's the way to go. I'm serious. I mean, putting D'Angelo Russell next to Drew Holiday is unbelievable to me. And then you still get Jared Allen and some draft picks. I I just think you're ready to compete. You got a tone set. You know what you're building around. And D'Angelo Russell is only 22 years old. And I just looked it up. You know how Drew Holiday owns every guard in the league? One guard he has not owned is D'Angelo Russell, who had great games against us both times. So you know, that, that should speak something for how good he is.
1: That's true. Grubb. A lot of people have been talking about Jason Tatum and picks. However, I think you can argue if you just include something like Jason Tatum, Marcus smart and Jalen Brown alone, I don't think the Pelicans get any picks back in that deal. However, if the Celtics, wanted to include Gordon Hayward in the deal, let's say they would obviously have to talk the Pelicans into some picks. So what's more important to you right now, uh, a bevy of Boston's young assets, or do you want just a deal around Jason Tatum plus future assets and draft picks?
3: Man, the, I think Kevin's right. If you can get Tatum smart and picks, that's probably the the best deal that you're going to get because you're, you're, you're not, completely tearing down and you are able to be competitive and you want the multiple picks no matter what, because you have the opportunity to miss. And when you're a small market, you're going to miss on some picks, no matter where you are, but you, you need more picks when you, when that's what your lifeblood is, when you know you're not going to get top tier free agents to come to your team. And quite frankly, if you make that deal and your starting lineup is smart uh, holiday uh, Jason uh, Tatum, Nico Mirtich, and Jaleel Okafor, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a competitive team. And, and it just depends on who you have coming back on the bench and what other free agents you find out there. But that's a competitive team. And and, and if you've got multiple first-rounders this season, you may be bringing in some other impactful talent right from the start. So, I mean, you, you give your fans a, a, a sense of hope, like you said, immediately in the aftermath of losing this a potential hall of famer and and in turn you are you're, you're looking at a team that should be able to play an exciting pl- style of basketball should you know have the elements of a young star that people can gravitate to and then you still got familiar faces that people already like so yeah i think that's a great recipe
1: and this is so unusual. The the Phoenix Suns traded for Austin Rivers earlier and bought him out, and now they sent Ryan Anderson for Tyler Johnson straight up. So strange, and I can't imagine why Miami would even want Ryan Anderson with their bevy of big men. But I'm sure there might be some picks going in this deal a little bit later. Uh, One name we haven't mentioned yet, Ali, is Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier, if Kyrie Irving re-signs in Boston, uh, you'd have to imagine he's going to want out of town. And Boston is probably not likely to match. However, if the Pelicans try to unload Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, they're going to need some backcourt depth. So they might try to bring him back. And we'll see if he's conducive to doing that. But the point of all this is, I think the Celtics are very strongly going to try to push Rozier into the this deal and come to some kind of agreement with the Pelicans. What are your thoughts on Terry Rozier?
2: Overrated. (laughs) I mean, Boston's always treated him like he's the next coming of something, but he's never turned into anything but a pumpkin so far for me. I mean, I don't really see the allure of him. He's just, he's like a shifty guy who can get going offensively, but really he seems to just care about getting his points. And I'm not the only one saying this. I've heard this written about him uh, several times. So I honestly don't like the guy, and I don't want him coming to this roster. I, I mean, we've already got Frank Jackson. Drew, you got to think the Pels are probably interested in keeping Alfred. So at worst, then where's that put Rogier, a fourth, and you're going to be trying to resign this guy because he's a restricted free agent. I, I just don't see any reason to go down that route. Falcons' issues have always been wings, so I want to see them go at Smart's fine because Smart, like Holiday, can guard three positions. But outside of Smart, then you want to see, hopefully, maybe Tatum and Brown. If not Brown, then, uh, you know, go ahead and grab maybe their big man, Williams, who's a promising guy. But no Rozier for me, guys. I've just never been a believer in his uh, future.
1: All right. uh, This is from Shams. Uh, Wayne Ellington is part of the deal. So now it makes so much more sense because the Heat get to uh, save on some of their salary. They they send over a usable player in Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington. And obviously, Phoenix gets to shed Ryan Anderson. So it makes much more sense for both parties now. Probably no picks exchange. Let's go back to our questions. And it's Kevin's turn. He says, if the Clippers retain their pick owed to Boston, in addition, Memphis is probably going to retain their own pick. He says, do you think that helps or hurts the Pels if both these picks roll over? Do you think that Boston might offer something that they originally didn't intend on offering due to these two picks conveying to 2020?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I think think you hope that the Memphis pick rolls over because it's like, what, top eight protected this year, and then it becomes five, and then it becomes... uh, Six, and
1: then unprotected.
0: Protected. yeah so you want you want that pick because um you i mean if memphis is able to unload gasol and calmly then they're definitely in the tank and and then that'll that'll keep rolling over um until you get a really good pick out of that sacramento's gonna be good i mean i think what's the protection on the sacramento pick i can't remember off, off the top of my head anybody remember
1: Uh, I think it was just top one protected to, or to Philadelphia here. I'll, I'll
0: look it up while you talk. But yeah, I mean, Sacramento is probably, even though they, I think they're probably not going to make the playoffs, even though they're close around there and they may get in there with the Clippers moves that they made in LA and then the Lakers may be blowing up, um, imploding from the inside. Thanks to clutch sports, um, So I don't know, but I I would take both of those picks for sure um, over anything else. You know, I would want um, Tatum, Smart, and those picks.
1: All right. This is from Real GM. Boston will receive the more favorable of Philadelphia – or Sacramento's first round pick uh, protected for selection one and Philadelphia will receive the less favorable of the protected of these two picks. Uh, Let's go over to grub. This is from Frank next Kyrie. I don't watch a lot of college basketball. I don't know if you do, but he says RJ Barrett or Zion. I personally think RJ is better right now and will be better in the league. And here's, here's my question to you, grub. If the Knicks, let's say land at number two, instead of number one, do you still prefer that deal over Boston's?
3: Oh, I mean, it all uh, all depends on who the Knicks are giving as, in their
1: player package too,
3: because you have to get some players pat, back, and I don't know if the Knicks have enough in salary to match. I'm trying to think, I mean, they do. They, they have to try. send
1: over everyone. They have to send yeah, it's Lance just about Thomas. everybody. Yeah.
3: So I mean, I don't know if the Knicks still want to make that deal yet. They may if they feel like they. If I think it, it depends for the Knicks on if they if they can get Durant. Because if they feel like they can if Durant makes an agreement with them, then I think Kyrie follows, which changes everything but if 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 that doesn't happen, then yeah, I think it's a very interesting deal, but I'm not as high on R.J. Barrett as other people are. I think he's the third amongst the Duke players because Barrett is, a, is shown to be a volume shooter. Now, some people will say that's because Duke doesn't have a lot of shooting, but if you've got a guy who's shooting seventy percent and he's getting a significant fewer number of shots on a game to game basis than Barrett who's taking a lot of threes and missing a lot of shots. I just I haven't liked the way he's fitting the team concept. I don't want to make a final judgment on him, but of the three you know Duke players that are at the top, he's the third as far as I'm concerned.
1: Here here are the players. Who oh, would ha- gonna- Sorry, go ahead.
2: Go ahead person. I just wanted to jump in because I don't know how you don't put Zion number 1. It is clear cut and dried. I watched last night's game, most of it anyways, against Boston College. And Zion does so many things on the court. Besides being the biggest, most athletic specimen out there in college, and that's going to translate right away. But his, his aptitude, his effort, his IQ, it's all there. It's all real. The only thing he's missing is kind of that outside shot. But R.J. Barrett, I mean, and with Reddish, I saw a lot of holes in their games. Uh, so again, to me, clear, it's clear. Zion's the number one. And for me, number two is John Moran. But we'll probably start talking more about draft picks once uh, we get past easily past this deadline. So sorry, Preston, mm-hmm. go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say in any Knicks de- uh, deal, in order to facilitate all of this, they would have to include Lance Thomas, Kevin Knox, one of Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilakina. After that, they could choose to retain one of Nilakina or Alonzo Trier. Or they could try to persuade the Pelicans to sign and trade uh, restricted free agents in Luke Cornett or Emmanuel Moutier just to facilitate the deal. Um, going back to what Ali was saying, um, Kevin, does, does it matter to you if the Knicks get a 1-2 or 3 position and you are, let's say, uh, enveloped in someone like an R.J. Barrett or a, a Cam Reddish or a John Morant uh, in addition to Zion Williamson? Do you still value those deals over a deal with Boston?
0: I mean, I... I like the Boston deal more. That's just me because I like, I think that you get the best of both worlds. You you have enough draft capital to build a young team and take some risk in the draft or move around in the draft or trade for veteran players. While you also have very young players that are extremely talented, you know what they are already. And I like that about the Boston trade a lot. Um, so uh I, it's still my favorite over the New York trade, but, um, you know. I,
2: Kevin, I, do they, they have to include Jason Tatum for you to say that? Oh, they
0: have to include Jason Tatum. If I'm not getting Jason yeah, Tatum, okay. then, then the Knicks right. trade. But I think there's no way that Tatum's not included. I mean, especially when we're seeing Jason Tatum's social media right now, it's clear that he's not happy with being discussed and – you know, with the situation in Boston, um, he's removed. And for those who maybe don't know, he's removed all Celtics stuff from all of his social media and just pictures of him in Duke uniforms and stuff like that. So there's something going on there. I think likely there's a deal already agreed upon, and that's going to happen in the off season when it can happen. But um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, like for I don't really watch college basketball. I don't like college sports very much at all. And I think college basketball is a, just a boring version of real basketball. So I don't care, but um, I do, from what I know, Zion Williams seems like, you know, a guy that is worth risking the Tatum thing for, but that would be the only thing. Um, but I would st- personally, I would still, I wouldn't argue with it. I'd be fine either way um, with what they could. Personally, I would prefer Tatum, uh, more of a sure thing.
1: All right, uh, Grub, this is from both Crescent City Connect and Christopher. Uh, Christopher says, emotions are high. Who is going to want to work in a city that fires you after the, reaching the semifinals? I don't want Gentry, uh, Gentry gone right now. Crescent City Connect says, uh, will the Cavs' Suns, or Bulls win another game? We kind of need them for the, the Knicks. And then he says, I hope Gentry is not fired. His system works. Just got to find guys who can shoot the three ball consistently. Grub, do you think there's any chance that Pelicans retain either Alvin Gentry or Dell Demps this offseason?
3: Yeah, I think there's a chance. Um, they, the, the Bensons have shown that they are very loyal to people. Um, they like Alvin a lot. They like Dell a lot. Um, I think that they may view this as um, some circumstances that have
1: conspired against them. All right, Grub. you were just talking about how the Benson's love Gentry and Dell Demps and Ali loves that take.
3: Well, yeah, I think they do, but I mean, if they get a basketball operations uh, person who comes in and he's outside the organization and he's not familiar with Dell. And I mean, as far as just wanting him to be around, then that's the most likely situation where they move. But, if if they bring in somebody who is in the family already, then yeah, I think that they could end up sticking around. So I mean, it's it's a possibility. I don't think it's the the overwhelming probability, but I think it's possible that they're both there next
1: year. All right. Thank you, Christopher Crescent City Connect. Thank you for all of our questions. Um, Kevin, I'm gonna pose this one to you. It's from Daniel Harris. He says, What do you think about Nicola Meritich and Etwan Moore and a first round pick? for Kelly Olenek and Justice Winslow?
0: No way. No way.
1: What if it was just a pick swap, he asks?
0: Run it to me again.
1: So Nikola Meretic, Etuan Moore, for Kelly Olenek, Justice Winslow, and a pick swap, you'd have to think Pelicans are probably going to end up somewhere between 7 and 10, and the Heat will probably end up somewhere around like 14 to 16.
0: Well, first off, I don't think it makes sense for Miami because I think they finally found a way to use justice Winslow that's benefiting them. He's he's, they've been using him as a point guard. And I've watched a couple of games with him as a point guard and he's a much better player. And I think if anything, they're going to look to move Dragic and and roll with Winslow at at the point and try to build that way with, you know, sort of starting over with him and Bam, especially once we've seen them already trade uh, Tyler Johnson today. Uh, But I, I don't want, Kelly Olenek I mean geez and and then I don't think uh I just don't think Miami's gonna move Winslow uh for that and I think and Wally would be he'd be a good fit next to Drew Holiday in that situation using him as a point guard as well um I just I don't want Olenek, and I really just dislike Olenek. That's basically the bottom line is I don't want Olenek on this team, and I don't see much incentive for Miami to, to trade him.
1: All right, Ali. This is Justin from Adam Himmelsbach from the Boston Globe. He says, per sources, the Pelicans have reached out to the Celtics seeking promises on specific AD packages. The Seas have been reluctant to do that five months early but have made it clear no one is off limits and that it will be worth the wait. Here is the latest, so you guys make sure you go and check out that. And, Ali, why don't you just close this out for us because it's obviously going to be a long wait for Pelicans fans. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be a little uncomfortable heading into July 1st. Why should Pelicans fans be positive and hopeful that this deal almost certainly will take place?
2: Which deal uh, <laughs> is that? Anthony- a general AD? <laughs>
1: yeah, Anthony Davis for Jason Tatum.
2: Oh, I see. I got you. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't want to assure anybody of anything, but it's still going to – okay, you've got to look at it from this vantage point. Everybody is going to be out there that wants to bid on Anthony Davis this summer. And, of course, that includes Boston. That includes anybody else that has designs on, you know, basically changing the face of their team, whether they suffer a playoff disappointment. You know, maybe Toronto does. Maybe, you know, take your pick. But either way, everybody's going to be there. So the bidding is going to remain high. So you have to think Boston is going to have to include Jason Tatum in any deal. But again, you don't want to write it in stone. And I'm glad Boston isn't doing that because so many things can change. Um, Somebody suffers an injury, you know, whatever. I don't want to even guess as to what could possibly happen, but either way, we're just going to be sitting here. And I think the first thing you've got to look for is waiting for that draft lottery that happens uh, sometime in May. I forget the exact date, it was like May 14th, they decide the draft lottery, but that's going to be the first key date. You want to see who wins the overall pick, and I think who gets the second pick. I think the Pelicans would entertain an offer with the team uh, based on that being the centerpiece if they own either the top one or top two. Could be three or four. I mean, I don't again, I don't know how they value everybody in this draft, but for me, it's clear Zion is number one and John Morant is number two. After that, you know, it's going to have to take a hell of a deal if you're going to include a high draft pick for me to put that one ahead of, say, the Tatum and the Celtics, maybe even the Lakers if they throw everything in it, you know. So either way, everything is going to come down this summer. And, yes, the fireworks are not only going to be there like we've seen, but I think it's going to be even more crazier. It, like I said, there's going to be more teams out there pushing for AD services. And um So I I don't know, just strap in. I know it's hard thing to tell everybody to wait. You know, we're going to go through this period of, hey, let's watch the rest of these games. And there's going to be rumors. You know, that's going to be the biggest thing. Things popping up on Instagram. This guy said that, you know, word of mouth type of stuff. But really, none of that's going to matter until we get to the draft lottery first. And then, of course, once we hit the uh, July 1st free agency period.
1: All right, and we'll have you covered at TheBirdWrites.com. We've got a lot of great writers, in addition to Ali Cosell, Kevin Berias, David Grubb, and myself. uh, Just a great team of guys, Travis, Charles, Zach, uh, Chris, uh, Mike, uh, new addition, very happy to have him, Charlie. Same goes for for him, Trevor, David, Jamile, of course. Um, Let's let's finish it up with this, Kevin. The Pelicans don't have a a first-round draft pick from the past seven years, and it looks like this summer the future of their franchise is going to depend upon two top ten picks. Do you feel comfortable with that?
0: Oh, uh, sure. I mean, th- those. <laughs> it depends on what package you're getting. Uh, the, I mean, our own pick should be pretty decent, but if you're getting Tatum, then uh, over the New York package, then I, I think you don't really even need to worry about the draft because you've already got a home run at the uh, one position of need that you've had for the entirety of our lifetimes pretty much, you know, with brief windows of, of goodness side of, uh, Jamal Mashburn and, um, Hey, and a little bit of Trevor Ariza. Uh, but, you know, I mean the fact that I'm including Trevor Ariza in the great small forwards of the new Orleans basketball franchise shows you what kind of situation we were in. Um, so I think I'm not that concerned. I, I think, you know, the main thing I'm looking forward to is, what happens structurally with this team, whether, you know, I want to see a president of basketball operations, not some retread. I want to see a young energetic guy who is on the pulse of what's happening in the league right now and not some old wash up guy who's had many opportunities around, but just has some name recognition that they think they can sell to a franchise. That's not basketball savvy because I think New Orleans basketball fans are a lot more savvy than they get credit for. Um, people like to shit on our franchise, even, even our own like media likes to shit on our fan base. And I think they're a lot smarter and a lot more engaged and interested than people give them credit for. Um, So I hope they don't just try to sell them some, you know, polished up used car and they really go in and, and uh, find a, a good guy to set an organizational tone from the top and then let them evaluate um, the rest of the staff. And then also just fire John Iship because that needs to happen. And <laughs> I just gotta say that every time because it's insane that he has a job. Um and uh yeah, so that's mainly what I'm looking forward to. Um I don't I think either I think either of those packages are, are good packages, New York or Boston. So you take any of those, great. If it's a surprise team, great. Uh if it's the Lakers, it's not as terrible of a package as we like to make it out to be. Um but you know to me that's the worst one because you have to deal with two players that maybe don't want to play here the draft picks aren't going to be as good and you know also you're giving you know you're enabling collusion and tampering you know you're just saying that doesn't matter because you gave, gave us enough to make it work um you know so i just don't like that idea either especially when there's Definitely at least equal value, if not better packages out there.
1: Yeah. And some names that have been floated around in addition to Becky Hammond and Jerry Steckhouse for the head coaching position, Sam Hanke, David Griffin, Troy Weaver. And I like Mike Zarin of the Celtics, uh, a great player evaluator. And more than that, I think it would just be nice to have Zarin in the Pelicans front office with his future assured. Obviously he's not going to let Danny Ainge hoodwink him. And you would think that Danny Ainge would want him to be successful. So the two would have a good natured conversation. And this is a deal that's going to decide the Pelicans future. So it is that integral that you have somebody who can really put off, pull off a good deal through all of this. Let's go ahead and wrap it up before we do that. David Grubb, uh, I know you've got a lot on your plate. You've, you've been very busy lately. Do you want to tell our listeners uh, about some of the stuff you're going to be up to soon?
3: Yeah, tomorrow I will be uh, co-hosting again on uh, Sports 1280 in New Orleans with uh, Dave DeCorbier from 2 to 4 p.m. And uh, I am wrapping up finally this piece on um, just how uh, Alvin Gentry is going to be is perceived how we got here and what could his perception be after all of this, um, by new Orleans fans. So I'm finally finishing that up. I've been promising Ali that for about a week now. Um, and then, uh, just, um, also Friday, uh, I do radio again with David Corby and then, uh, Oh, tomorrow also at a uh, 1220 to one o'clock I'm on KYOK radio in Houston.
1: All right. Very cool. Make sure to follow him at DM Grub. Of course, follow Ali at Ali Cosell, Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce. And you can follow me at Preston Ellis. Send me any questions that you want us to discuss on a future podcast. Thank you guys so much for being on this journey with us. Obviously, it's it's a very exciting time. It's never been so exciting to lose. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of news that continues to come up. And obviously, we'll come back here and we'll handle some of that for you guys whenever it does. Uh, in the meantime, if you could do a favor for us, go on iTunes, rate our pod, subscribe to it, tell your friends, retweet, all that great stuff stuff It really helps us and we greatly appreciate it. And we appreciate you.
2: Parting thoughts, Ali. I can't wait for the deadline to, <laughs> to come and go. I just want to go to sleep, man. <laughs> what about you, Kev?
0: Uh, I'm just uh, excited to keep watching Drew Holiday play. I mean, yeah, every night with him captaining the team and the young guys uh, it's fun it's been fun basketball experience it's the entertainment i've been seeking all year so i'm just excited about that i'm looking forward to the game tonight
1: all right thank you guys for listening let's go Pels, and let's go drew crew thank you for listening to the bird calls on the off the glass nothing but net and up and under podcast networks if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today
0: progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers discount not available in all
2: or situations geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate
1: hi so about the kitchen turns out when there's a grease fire you're not supposed to throw water on it <laughs> who'd have known right anyways the fire department is here and it's totally cool give me a call back when you get a chance
2: The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.